Welcome to Rants About Humanity, a podcast where we interview guest experts with passionate opinions about important topics that don't get enough attention. Raw, unfiltered, thought-provoking perspectives with no censorship. With your host, Philip Van Houta. Welcome everyone to the Rants About Humanity podcast. Today I have Zachary Babcock as a guest from over five years in prison to scaling a multi six-figure business. Zachary Babcock helps entrepreneurs launch, grow, and monetize dominant brands with top-rated podcasts. Zach has been featured on over 200 shows and he has interviewed over 200 celebrity and alpha entrepreneurs on his underdog empowerment top-rated podcast on Apple. Welcome on the podcast, man. And you know what's interesting? I interviewed you actually like two or three years ago, you know, and you were focusing on helping people achieve their goals. I'm really fascinated about what made you really leverage your brand, your business, your life compared with like two or three years ago when you were still focusing on goal achievement coach, I think. Yeah. Well, one is uh, when we jammed, dude, I didn't have a clue about marketing at the time. I was real new to it. And I was just like trying to figure this out. And I was broke as a joke. You know, I was uh, at that time, bro. I think that was in 2017. Honestly, I think it was, it was like the end of 2017. It was before I had my podcast. So yeah, I launched my podcast April, 2018. So yeah, at that time, dude, I was like a couple years out of prison, just trying to figure it out, man. And, and uh, it was the most financially stressed time I've ever faced in my life. But I'm grateful for that experience because I learned a lot through that and it made me who I am today. When did you realize, dude, Zach, I don't know what the hell I'm doing and this is not working. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, (laughs) that's a great question. It always felt off then because like, dude, I was doing stuff that that wasn't me. I was living with imposter syndrome. I was Mm -hmm. trying to pretend to be something that I wasn't. I was wearing suits and ties, bro. Like nothing wrong with suits and ties, but that ain't me. (laughs) I got a body full of tattoos, a beard that comes down to my belly. And I did over five years of my life in prison. Suits and ties really never been my thing, you know? And so that, and I was trying to pretend to act like I thought that you had to act successful before you actually were like all this bullshit, man. Yeah, man. I, I, I got real with myself, man. And just started being real with where I was, where I was at and who I was. And that's when things actually started gaining steam. One thing I noticed, and that's what I love, people speaking their mind, is you became more unapologetically you about cursing, calling out shit, speaking your truth, and more being unapologetically you and willing to polarize. That's something that I increasingly noticed like the last two years. Was that a purposeful decision at a certain point? You said like, I'm just going to be more blunt, honest, and speak my mind? Yeah, I was holding back punches. So like... um a guy that really helped me break through with this. We're both connected with Mitch Miller. I invested into his mastermind (laughs) at the time, bro. I went and got a, I I don't recommend this to anybody unless you're like seriously like all in, you know, it's not like a a smart money move. Like I went into debt to get into his mastermind. So at the time our bills were backed up, credit cards were maxed out. We got four kids. Our water was shut off at one point in time during this period. And I went and got a title loan on my Chrysler Aspen for 4000 Those interest rates are retarded high. I did it just to get into his mastermind with no guarantee or nothing, just to learn how to position myself, 
craft offers, write the copy, yada, yada, all that stuff. And that's cool. I did pick up those skills through that bit. What he really helped me do is like he held up a mirror, asked good questions and got me to realize that, hey, you're holding back punches. You're not speaking mm-hmm. truths. You're living other people's truths or other people's lies, but you're not living your truths. And that was it, man. That's when I decided, like, hey, man, I'm just going to be me. I'm just going to be real. I won't even use the word authentic because too many of those fake ass entrepreneurs say be authentic and vulnerable mm-hmm. and all those buzzwords and shit. Just be real. Just be you. Yeah, that's it, right? I have nothing against the authentic bros or the Lamborghini bros or whatever. If that's truly you, different sizes, different flavors for different people. For anybody who's wondering, am I, am I being in life where I want to be? Am I doing the business that I actually love? How can they notice that they're not actually themselves? Because you know that advice in dating, right? Just be you. And they're like an overweight virgin and they're just like themselves and they don't get any attraction. So how do you figure things out? And when do you see like warning signs or warning bells like this is not me this is not working yeah man well dude lately the last this year i've been going through a major evolution it started when i went to my is it this is more of a long-winded answer is this okay that's perfectly fine man i don't know about you dude but i've had people on the show where you ask them a question they start ranting for like 20 minutes and you're like bro you know what i'm saying yeah 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 but uh we were, it was in January and we had our first mat, our own mastermind. And I structured it just how Mitch did his. That's the one I was in. It really was, it was really awesome and whatnot. But anyways, I'm there and we're at this badass property in Pensacola, Florida that we rented out and had 10 clients come out to. And it's like all this cool stuff that had been happening. And I was not enjoying it. I was already thinking about the next thing. And mm-hmm. I was like, wait a minute, dude, like, if I don't stop this shit, I'm, this is how I'm going to be my whole entire life, always moving the goalposts and never like actually feeling fulfilled and grateful for what I have right now. I started getting real clear. So the, so the advice to answer your question is to get clear on what success means to you, because even entrepreneurs do this shit where they think that, oh, I got to live like this in order to be successful because that's what society or that's what the entrepreneur world or whatever thinks success is. Man, fuck that, dude. For real, I, I get it that we're all hardwired to care about what other people think because, you know, being exiled from the tribe meant death way back, you know, in our primal primal days. But fuck what other people think, man, because you're going to live a horrible, miserable life if you try to live up to someone else's expectations. You got to get, for me, dude, I what I did, the tactical answer to that is I've been going out to the woods and nature, dis- disconnecting from all tech every single Friday. And I go out there solo by myself. And I got a little rucksack. And in that rucksack, I got a little Tibetan bowl, a little tuna and fork and a journal, water, and a bag full of blueberries, strawberries, and some walnuts. All right. And th- that's just my thing. And I go out there for like four or five hours and I hike, but then I'll take periodically take like a break somewhere nice. And I'll do a meditation exercise and I'll do the Wim Hof breathing exercise. And then I'll do a journaling exercise. And what I asked myself specifically, bro, was, can I have it all? And then I was like, what does all mean to me? And then I wrote out in my journal what my life looked like as far as what I wanted to be spiritually from a health perspective, from a mindset perspective, health, uh, relationships and uh, money business-wise. And when I got clear on that and started stepping into that, man, I feel like that's, there's so much power that goes in that. And, and what's crazy is I found out and this is the last little piece. What, what I found out is that 
we all got everything we fucking need right now to be and become whatever the fuck we want to become. Bro, there's so much juice I could talk about this. Sometimes, I, and, and I love it that you also tackle because, yeah, you're an alpha dog, you know, you have that hustle stage, you go for what you want. But I love the fact that you also focus on the body right now and taking a pause and like silence. Because one of the most powerful quotes that I found is, you can never make up with a tactic what you lack on a psychological or emotional level. You can never make up. You're just catching on to find that inner fulfillment. And success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. But mm -hmm. we are these underdogs, right? We are these outsiders. We are these rebels, right? And it becomes a bit of an identity. So we become addicted to the struggle. And we always look for the next thing. And then to find, why am I doing this? You know, what am I resisting? What am I fighting for instead of fighting against? And that's also something that I do, which you do. Sometimes you got to get away to get back. Away from the noise, away from all the distractions, old identity, old memories, and then really ask yourself important questions and write it down. That's what I miss a bit right now in COVID. Not that, because with traveling, it's like I have a little bit of a new me there and I can see things from a different perspective. So yeah, man, I do the same thing, but with all the noise and distraction, especially when you're on social media, to disconnect yourself from what you've been doing in that image, that can be very difficult. It's, it's a matter of finding that pause, silence, that room to, to reflect, right? Dude, I mean... It's crazy. I told myself a lie for so long till just in January that I had to sacrifice my health and mm -hmm. relationships and spirituality, all this stuff in order to be successful in business. And the reality is, is who knows, maybe I didn't have to sacrifice at all. Maybe I did have to do it for a little bit in the beginning, hustle hard to get it going. But man, I got it going back in 2019. I could have step back and start focus. I could have, I could have been, I didn't have to let myself go health wise and all this stuff, you know? And so in January, when I had that, after, after that trip, dude, I just, I, I literally was like, dude, that's it. I'm going to work 12 PM to 4 PM Monday through Friday. And that's it 20 hours a week. And I implemented that right away. And yes, I have a team in place and I'm able to do it. A rock star team. I wouldn't be, I don't think I'd be able to do it without that. So you do got to get to a certain point and, and, and now that I only spend that time, it, it allows me to focus on, I don't do bullshit work anymore. Before I realized that I was mm -hmm. doing all this busy work that I didn't even need to be doing, bro. Now I'm just doing the most high leverage shit that only I can do in the business and that's it. And then our team takes care of the rest. By doing that though, dude, I, it's crazy, man. It, it's, it, was just a, it, it, it was just a huge growth, uh, a huge evolution in, in, in my life right now. And I'm, I love it, dude. I'm so, I don't think I'll ever go back to that hustle 24 seven shit. You know what I mean? Why do you think so many entrepreneurs and you must've interviewed some on your podcast without dropping names? What makes people so addicted to the hustle and the struggle and keep on moving the goalpost without ever feeling fulfilled or happy? I know what it was for me and I'm pretty sure other people can relate to this. For me, you know, one of my core values is good is not enough. Excellence is the standard. And so I'm also very, 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 very competitive. And so like, if I do something, I want to be the absolute best just to be the best. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to half-ass anything. I don't want to, I'm not going to do that. Like, it, it, like we're going to go out and master something and take the time that it requires to put it in the reps and deliberately practice it and, and, and become that. And so I got obsessed with being the absolute best podcast consultant in the world or having the biggest company in the world, like all this stuff. 
And I was like, yeah, that's when I started asking, like, can I have it all? Can I still like build this crazy, humongous brand, right? But still have all the time that I, the whole reason why I started this was to be in my kid's life. You know what I'm saying? That's what kicked this whole thing off. Can I still have that? Can I have excellent health at 210 pounds, 10% body fat, six pack abs, optimal health? Like, can I have that? All these things. And I was like, yeah, you can. You just got to actually discipline yourself and do it and design it, design it, design the identity. What does that, all right, you got the identity of what that, what you want to be. All right. Then what does that person do every day to become that person? Then you have your daily routines, your daily plays, and you just do that. You focus on the process. I know people say this a lot, but if you fall in love with the process and not the outcome, I feel like that's where the fulfillment's at. You know what I like about you? And maybe you can teach my listeners and viewers about this. You teach your kids responsibility, right? And I sometimes see like challenges or videos or what they have to do. How do you teach your kids responsibility and how to become a mature human being? Yeah, dude. Love that question. This is cool, man. Cause I love your perspective. I love like, dude, I go on a lot of podcasts and, and a lot of times it's the same boring shit. And it's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. This is real stuff though. But, but yeah, dude, like, like for an instance, I just became my kid's football coach for flag football. Oh man, so many lessons that we're able to do in there. But like we're t- we're working on attention to detail and, and, and how important that is. And you you earn your playing time. You don't get no participation trophy. You don't get playing time just to be equal. No, the the best player, the person that pays attention and that hustles the hardest is going to get out on that field. I don't care if you're my kid or not. You know, and so stuff like that where you got to earn it. We do uh, lemonade stands. So we had them hustle. They got a loan from me for fifty dollars. 3%, which ain't nothing, you know, it was 5150, I think was the interest on that. And um, they went out though, and they, they got their loan, they went out and made, dude, they, I can't remember the exact numbers, I made a post, this was over a year ago, but they made that and in two hours worth of time, that plus over $100 in profit their first day. And so it taught them that, hey, they can go out and create their own stuff and run their own little business and, and generate the lifestyle they they want. That's another one, There's a whole bunch of stuff, man. But uh. Yeah, I love that stuff that you also focus on the value of effort because it seems nowadays in the cultural vibe that, you know, victimhood is being celebrated, but they don't focus on the part of doing the effort. And you can be this, you know, you have a disadvantaged starting position. There are disadvantaged starting positions that make it more difficult, but that is still no reason to not do effort. There still is value in putting in the effort, you know, and going for it. Bro, this whole victim mentality no responsibility bullshit culture that they're brainwashing society with is dude it 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 boils my blood dude there is no reason why anybody should be losing in life period if you're losing it's your fault it ain't no system coming out of prison dude like i put myself in prison i i get that i put I, that was a decision i put myself in there i landed it in there all that but coming out after i served my time i watched Every motherfucker, white, black, Asian, Mexican, whatever, get the job before me just because I had a record. All right. And so I couldn't even get a job, you know, and I did that to myself. And any, anybody in that situation could have been like, oh, I'm a victim. And this is because of a blood. Dude, I'm not bragging or anything, but dude, I got a really fucking cool lifestyle. I own, I bought a house cash, a really nice house cash and fucking got a thriving business. 
I'm investing like, like, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm living a good life because I chose to, because anybody can live that life if they choose to, if you take full ownership and you go out and you fucking work hard in America, at least in America, there's no fucking excuse for why you're losing. It's just your pure laziness and you're being playing a victim and you're being a bitch about it. Yeah. And also, I mean, I don't know if you know some rich kids who've been giving everything from the day of birth, you know, they also become like irresilient. They don't work for a, for, for something, you know, they, they, they can't bounce back. They can't work for it. On the other hand, I know white homeless people are people who've been in jail. I mean, we can delve later a bit into your story. It's not, you got a, I'm white, get out of jail for free card. You know, you just still have a, you know, one thing that I do understand when they talk about racism or these things is, yeah, when you talk about the 60s, you had segregation in the buses. The white people were privileged to sit in front of the bus. But I asked a question recently on my Facebook wall, how many people do you know in your friend circle who are racist, who judge people on the color of their skin? The vast, almost everyone, none. So it seems to be such an issue. You're like, oh my God, they're so racist. I, I don't know people who judge people just like, oh my God, look at that black person. Look at that Asian. I know none, seriously. And I've been living this life for more than 35 years. So I really don't know a lot of people who are so racist to say like, oh my God, you know, white people are better or black people are, you know. The fucking, wh- whoever controls the media, I don't, I don't want to go do that down those rabbit holes, but those people pushing the agenda, it's all, it's all the divide. Cause like you said, dude, yeah, of course. All right. There are racist people in the world. There are mm-hmm. racist white people. There's racist black people. There's racist Chinese, Mexican, Indian, whatever. Right. But the majority isn't, at least from my personal experience on this earth, I got, dude, my friend Tan, he's our videographer. He's Vietnamese. Dude, he makes he's making fun of this whole stop Asian hate thing. He's like, dude, like, come on. It, it, it one instance where some Asian people got killed by white people, but now they're making this like a, a stop Asian hate. Like this happens all the time. It doesn't happen all the time. And dude, there's gonna be violence and shit like that. But dude, overall, we're good. People love each other. People are good. Pe- Most people I run in contact with are good people. Like you yeah, said, well, when I'm going to hire someone, I'm going to look at the skills. And that's the most important thing. I mean, we never, I will never deny that there's racism, but they voted eight years for Obama, who's a black president. You got the Grammys where, who's the one from Wet Ass Pussy? Cardi B <laughs> wins it, you know, black person. There's a lot of black people winning stuff, you know, and, and, and sometimes deservedly so because they're like the best one out there. But they're presenting it almost like, oh, my God, it's worse than in the 60s. That polarization seems to sell and it keeps the black people disenfranchised. And that's what I think is such a pity. And it sets people up against each other. Same thing with George Floyd. Man, I know 98% of the people didn't like what the cop uh, did. I mean, they can have the footage. You, you saw George Floyd being, you know, spaced out of his mind. <laughs> you know, he was definitely on some shit. He also wasn't like, you know, if you look at his criminal record, etc. But if you look at what the cop did, that behavior, every color of skin, they said, like, that's despicable. And what did they do with it? They use it to polarize instead of to unite. That's such a pity, you know. Dude, like, what's going on right now? If you want to really think about it, they, they're talking about this privilege shit. If you want to think about it, dude, and, you know, I could be wrong, but I don't fucking feel like I'm wrong. I feel like I'm, I'm spot on with this, what I'm about to say. If anything, black people got more privilege than white people right now. Right now. If it, dude, with the way society is, if you're a white man, you're a bad person. That's how they're pushing the agenda. All right. 
and you get all this extra shit, this attention and this, like, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to support you and give you more support black business, all this stuff. Like black people have more privilege than white people right now. If you look at our current society, but they have you believing that if you're a white man, you're a bad person. All right. That's bullshit, dude. And that's why I don't like literally I don't even read the headlines anymore. Like I, I literally because before I quit watching TV years ago, but I would still like sometimes pull up headlines on Google and stuff just to see what's going on. I won't even do that shit no more because I've refused to live that lie because I know yeah. my You're, yeah. like I originally come from Ghent, a place in Belgium, and there is no law that when you have two candidates and they have the same competency, they have to choose a non-white person. I'm serious. That's the law right now. So they have to choose a non-white person or they first look at a department, you know, how many non-whites are there or, okay, now when we get a candidate, we just take a non-white person because else we're racist. I read something in a headline that they were giving like, you know, benefits to people who were poor, unless they were like white and they wouldn't get it. You know, if you're black and you're poor, you get it. But if you're white and poor, then not because you're privileged. Like how the hell is a poor person on the street who is white privileged and a poor person who is black on the street? You know, they are not privileged. Like, aren't they in the same dire circumstances and don't they need a helping hand? Fucking ludicrous, bro. It, it literally is, man. And, and here's the deal, man. I, I was jamming with going back to talking about Michigan, but we were, we were jamming out. We were talking about this and, and the way he put it was beautiful, man. He was like freedom and equality cannot coexist. Mm-hmm. They just can't because it, dude, if everything has to be equal, then there's going to be no freedom at all. Period. So here's the, here's the deal, man. Life isn't fair. Fucking deal with it. All right. <laughs> and that's for everybody. There's, there's plenty of areas where white people have advantage over black people, Mexican, Chinese, yada, yada. And the same is true in every instance. Black people have advantage over in every instance. So quit trying to make shit fair. Life ain't fucking fair. Quit being a little bitch about it. And look, at the end of the day, kind of going back to what we were, we were jamming on about 10 minutes or so ago, but my whole philosophy is being underprivileged is the privilege. Dude, the people that had the silver spoons and all that shit and everything handed to them and never had to struggle through life. You put me up against them. I'm going to not just win. I'm going to dominate every single fucking time. Maybe not right out the gate, but I'm going to, I'm going to, in the long run, I'm going to dominate to like obliterate them because I'm more hungry because I'm closer or because I had to get really fucking resourceful and I had to learn the hard lessons of life because of the underprivileged aspect of the, the dumb mistakes that I did to myself and coming out in such a deep fucking hole, a deeper hole than any black person faces or any motherfucker faces that doesn't have a criminal record coming out. That was a blessing because I had to work that much harder. And I developed a lot of skills in the process that now you put me up against somebody that has a silver spoon. They don't stand a chance. Yeah. And that's against all odds. That's how you create resilience. That's, that's how most people, you know, they had challenges and then they deal with the resilience, you know, I always wonder with the black community, like, okay, when does it end? Like, when, when, when is it not a problem anymore? Do you want financial retribution for it? Does it have to be a percentage, et cetera? And even then, and that, that, that disillusioned a lot of old school feminists. Now they're battling with trans men who say that they are women. And those old school feminists who fought so hard for women to have their own room, their own space, their own validity... Now they have to debate with men who identify as a woman 
and then they clash with them. So there you have intersectionality. When it's not black anymore, maybe it's a black woman against a black man, you know? And then when it's not a black woman anymore, it's a black transgender woman, you know? Where does it end? It's always this polarization. It eats itself and it keeps on fragmenting to more pieces. Yeah, man. It's, I mean, fuck. You, you got transgender men competing in a UFC match against other women beating the dog living shit out of them because men are going to fucking more physically dominant than women, but everything's got to be equal. Right. And fuck dude, like how stupid is that? You got men beating the men that identify as women beating the shit out of women. Like that's okay. Fuck. No, it's not okay. But that's this, this whole culture is, is going to, And, and what it comes down to, man, is at the end of the day, it's not us people that are the enemy. It's literally the the propaganda that get pushed on it. But what's what's the problem is people don't fucking think for themselves anymore. That's the thing that I think it's a crisis of responsibility. It's a crisis for different perspectives. It's a crisis of communication. And then you just have immature people yelling at each other and blaming and not being able to have an argument anymore, or it's not allowed anymore. Yeah. It's retarded, dude. It it really does make my blood boil thinking about a lot of this shit. And that's why, like, I do because I, I started getting wrapped up in the in, in the whole elections and shit. And I was like, oh fuck this shit, man. I just gotta cause like, dude, at the end of the day, dude, like w- when I unplug from it, like I don't have to live that lie. You know what I'm saying? Like I I know my life's fucking amazing and I got amazing people in it all of all races, of all different creeds and 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 genders and, and religions, you know what I'm saying? So I don't live the lie that they're pushing on us. And on the one hand, like, okay, you can be deprived of choices, but you can still make stupid choices. I mean, you have your circumstances, maybe in your childhood or you grew up that you ended up in jail. But let's be real here. You also made some stupid choices, right? Amen. Yeah, I put myself in that position. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Didn't nobody put me in prison. I did that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's a part like, and and you did it two or three times, right? Bro, like I don't talk about that much, but dude, I was locked up my entire youth. Like, dude, I started getting locked up when I, at age nine in rehabs and shit. And then all throughout my teenage years, I was in boys' homes, juveniles, detention centers, all that, all throughout my, 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 what are you call it? Youth, uh, young adulthood or whatever. And then by the time I turned 18, I went to prison to the big house for, for another five years total. So like, you know, someone that was locked up for as long as I did, statistically, very few ever turned their shit around. I got lucky and I also made that decision myself, but I got lucky by experiencing certain shit at certain parts of my life to help me shift my paradigm in certain areas of life. Were there certain things... In your childhood or with your dad or with your family that caused you to maybe run into addiction and crime? And the second question is, how do you make sure you don't pass it on to your kids? Because a part of you always like, I don't want to pass on these negative ghosts from the past. So I'm curious, like how you handled it and and where you come from. Yeah. What's crazy is that my kids are just like me with that, with that obsessive mentality. Like, if you're going to do something, we're going to do it or we're not going to do it at all. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, which has its pros and cons, you know, and I've gotten past the cons and learned how to hone that thing in, you know, but, but yeah, that's a really good question, dude, because I've been studying my past a lot. And, um, one thing that it doesn't suck, it just, it is what it is. But 
like my mom's dead, my dad's dead, all my, my, my sister, my mom and dad, they're all dead. So I don't have like immediate family that I grew up with. And then my grandparents are dead. I don't have any grandparents. And then, but I do have my uncle, my aunt on my mom's side, but that's it, you know? So I can't. And what I'm scared to do is to go and ask some of my mom's friends and dad's friends and, and stuff, and then get their version of reality of, of that, because then it, it might be distorted or it might not be true. And then I believe, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm worried about going and finding that. So I try and reflect and remember as much as I can, my own experience. Right. But I know that there's power in always studying your past and never stopping. Like I, I sound like I'm a fucking woo woo motherfucker now. No, <laughs> did, did you feel like an underdog an outcast? Like, no. So, so, so growing up, dude, no, we weren't underdogs. We weren't like, like fucking like, Oh man, you, you, you live in mansions, all this shit went like that. I mean, we grew up in Ferguson, Missouri, right? But we never went without, we never went without food. You know, bills were paid on time and fucking, I had the cool toys, not like the coolest, coolest toys, but I had, I had everything that I needed, you know, more than enough, you know, I was like middle class or lower middle class, you know, but my dad did die when I was seven. And I know that kind of like fucked with me as a kid. Cause I didn't really understand. I didn't even cry when he died. And I remember playing football as a kid and I, and my friend's dads would always be at practice. And I used to always wonder how that felt and what it felt like to have a dad and shit like that. So I know that that had its impact. And then uh, shortly after he died, then our first dog that we ever had uh, ran away and never came back. And so I know that probably, f- I, I cried when my dog ran away and I didn't cry when my dad died. That's weird. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but that was like eight months afterwards. So maybe I was like clinging onto my dog because my dad died. I don't know. Trying to, I'm still working through a lot of that stuff. But yeah, man. If you're in a hypothetical scenario, you're, you're one of your sons would ever commit like a crime, even like a small crime. How would you deal with it? Man, that's a good question. I'd let him uh, fully experience the consequences from that. And I wouldn't bail him out. And I'd show that I was still there for him, that I loved and cared about him, and that, you know, I'm always going to love and care about him. And that's the reason why I wouldn't bail them out because you got to learn your lesson. So, yeah. And, and, you know, if it was just like a little small, like shoplifting crime, then I'd let him experience those consequences and he'd have consequences from me as well. And, and his mother around the house, like he'd lose some shit. And so he would definitely feel the pain of it. Yeah. Cause there's difference when people do it because you're mad or when people actually change because they reflect about it and they feel like I made a wrong choice, right? Like often shame and guilt or maybe short-term good strategies, but long-term they don't make you change your identity or your perspective. Yeah, dude, like that's something that I've been working on too. Cause it's like, I'm more of the tough love nature. Cause I also know like enabling people to keep on doing their shit is not good for them at all. But you got to strike a balance of, of showing compassion, always showing the compassion with it. So it's like tough love from a place of love, you know, like, um, cause you know, you could be tough on someone and who knows, like you might say something because like, like say they're like super overweight. Right. And then like you say something like, like, you're just going to keep on fucking putting on the weight. And like, that's the one thing that shatters them. And then they go and commit suicide. Mm-hmm. Well, and you feel like shit because you weren't trying to make them commit suicide. You were trying to get them to change their ways. So, so it's like, you got to balance the, the tough love with the compassion to let them know that you do care and that you do have their best interests at heart and that you do believe in them. But you also got to fucking like, Hey man, you got to own your shit too. At the same time. 
Yeah, so, and you will often have conversations with other people, especially those are intimate to you, in the same way you have conversations with yourself. So if mm -hmm. you have certain conversations with people, that's the conversations that are like the haunted ghost from the past, you know, the echo chamber is in your mind that you project on other people, you know, why are you doing this? Like, you know, etc. And then that voice, you think like, that is me, but often it's an echo from the past or a learned path, and then you pass it on. That is often why healing yourself can also heal your communication with others, because then you stop repeating that echo chamber of yourself. Bro, all right. So now we're getting deep, dude. Cause like to think about like, cause I, this is the type of stuff I've been working on. And, you know, I had this conversation first with Tucker Max last year. And ever since he said the shit on the podcast, like, like he, he's like, he's like, what did you hear? said you're contradicting yourself. Did you, did you, did you have confidence in yourself or not? And I was like, it's like, first thing I want to do is like, man, fuck you. You don't know me. But then I was like, man, what if he's right? What if there's some stones unturned from my, from my childhood that I haven't dealt with yet? And so I've been on that, that deep inner perspective work, you know, that, that, and, um, you know, that's not an overnight thing. Right. But what you just said, man, that projection, like, dude, like I'll do that. Like with, with, with my wife, like I, cause I talk to myself that way. I'm really hard on myself, but in a good way, like I'm encouraging myself, but I respond that way. You know what I'm saying? But she probably doesn't, she doesn't, she, I'm not going to say probably she doesn't respond to the harshness because she's you got to be more gentle with her and more, way more compassionate than, than what I am with myself. Like I'm so compassionate with myself, but I'm pretty, you know, like, like I said, quit being a fucking bitch. Just go out and do, you know, like I'll have those. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I had the same thing with my clients. Like why is he or she not doing it? I already told her what to do and she didn't implement it. But you know what that voice is? That's the voice of my dad talking to me. Like I explained you already. Why are you not doing it? And then I now look like, Hey, Philip, do you always, when a coach tells you something, you implement it in a week? Doesn't life get in the way, you know? And then it's like, yeah, that happens. And then I'm being more empathic with myself and more empathic with my clients. But you talked about changing your identity to be a non-smoker. You know what happens? We're so identified with that archetype, the hustler, that archetype, the achiever. It possesses us. It takes us over. It has front stage and it's a soul monologue, you know? That's why it's about integration. So a lot of times... You know, the, the the communication and relationship with others starts with the relationship with ourselves. So sometimes when you blame and judge people, it's often something that you heard, you know, and then you pass it on to others, which is very uncomfortable to face that, man. But it's also good to break that chain of repetition. Mm, dude, that's super insightful, dude. Because like, dude, that's what I'm all about now It's like, it's the truth, man. Like, all right, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Here we go now because you brought up the, the, the smoke and stuff. Don't get me wrong. Your why of why you do things and, and whatnot. Yeah, it's, it's powerful and it's very important. But I'm a firm believer that you can't start with your why. And now I've had some really deep philosophical conversations about this. But from my experience, man, I had all the reasons why to quit smoking cigarettes for years. And it was, mm -hmm. I don't want to be winded when I come home and play with my kids. I want to see them grow up and get married. I want to walk my daughter down the aisle when she gets married. I want to see my grandkids grow up all strong reasons why, you know, but it was never enough ever, never, never, never enough to quit smoking. And I tried quitting. I, I can't even count more than hundreds, like maybe close to a thousand times I don't, a lot. And it was never enough. But then when I changed my identity to, I'm not a smoker, 
I'm a healthy person. I do what healthy people do. I fucking, I work out five to six times a week. So I take good supplements. I eat whole foods. I, you know, all this stuff, right? I don't, don't smoke cigarettes, right? That's what finally got me through that. And yesterday or two days ago, I had exactly one year of not smoking after smoking from nine years old to 32. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, you can literally create you could literally create your identity in every single role and then figure out what that person does and then fall in love with the process, those daily habits and become whatever the fuck you want. And if you do that, then you get whatever you want in life. That's like, yeah, the they road. say just because you're driving at full speed, it doesn't mean you're going in the right direction. Yeah. And when people have much willpower, which I'm prone to, and a lot of people who have like, you know, strong determination and willpower, the opposite of this metal is proneness to addiction. Because that's also kind of like, you know, going for it. I'm fully going for it. I'm fully in. I'm fully attached. So dropping that attachment, that addiction, which is a kind of attachment, is difficult because you're used to fully focusing on something, even when it doesn't serve, you know, you're all in, you're black and white, you know? Yeah. I mean, dude, even not even with the cigarettes, with with the hustle of uh, of grinding, being an entrepreneur, dude, I was, that was my identity. I was like, I'm a alpha entrepreneur that fucking goes and grinds and wins, 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 dominate. And yeah, I was fucking kicking ass in business, but my health went to utter shit, my relationships and all this stuff because I was holding on to that identity. But now I just tweaked it to where I could still fucking go out, win and dominate, but I don't have to work my fucking face off. You know, I don't have to grind myself into the dirt in order to get that. I could still have those things. I could just be smarter about it and still take care of myself as a whole and all the different roles that I play in life. So it's like, I made like a, I made like this, this in, in my, in my journal, right. I wrote my identity for each pillar. I have five pillars. You know, some people say four, mine are mind, body, soul, relationships, and finance. And I wrote out what my identity is in all five of those. And then I took that and I wrote out my identity as a whole of how, who I am with encompassing all that together and how I operate. And yeah, dude, I'm not always perfect, but dude, by having that clear map and then every day that I do the things that that person does, it reinforces that identity and I become more and more like that person. Then I'm always making tweaks. I'm not trying to fucking like make major life changes every day. No, it's just little tiny 1% tweaks that, that compound over time. Yeah, because I see life as like three aspects, like self-development, future-focused, spirituality, present-focused, and then like psychology, shadow work, past-focused. And sometimes you have these one-focused people like, oh, it's all shadow work. Oh, it's all meditation and be present. Oh, it's all about getting what you want and, you know, getting something new and growing. Well, it's these three, right? And it's a matter of an integration between the future, the present, and the past. And then Suddenly, and that's the crazy thing, also at that hustle stage, I, call, I talk about three stages. First stage is victim stage. Why is this happening to me? Second stage, achiever stage. I'm going to make it happen. Third stage, allower stage. Let's see what happens. Hmm. You still go for things. You still go for it, but you allow it. It has less tension, less force about it, and it flows more. But often you need that hustle stage, that going, that competency stage, having expertise, definitely. But not that a permanent lifestyle. It's like in a way to finally go more with the flow, still have some structure, allow more things. And the crazy thing is that then it goes more effortlessly and you get better clients, better communications, better relationships. At least Dude. in my opinion, I don't know if you witnessed the same thing. 
No, literally. And it's crazy. Even, even when I was grinding and stuff, that was my only focus, but everything was coming. And I don't want to say that I didn't work because I did work. Right. But like you're saying, like, it's it, and I hate this being so many people say it. like there is some <laughs> bullshit people that talk about like, oh you can just manifest or whatever but like but dude having that clear vision of knowing exactly where you're going in life and being totally in alignment with it and moving towards it shit comes to you it just happens for you at the perfect time you just got to take the action take the next step right and that was happening but I wasn't I wasn't doing that in any other aspect of my life but now like. And, and I love that that concept that you put there about the the future, past, and present. That's pretty dope. I'm gonna explore that more too, because because I've I've always been pretty in tune, especially lately with with my 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 present and future. But I'm I've never been a past kind of dude. Like I I was like I don't live in the past. I'm moving forward. I'm a forward thinker and stuff. But you do need to, like now I do every single Sunday. Now I do like I journal every single day, right? And then on Fridays when I go out to the woods and I. Dis- disconnect and decompress and all that and really get in touch with right now just just everything clear out the mind i have my best journaling experiences because i'm just so clear and stuff and then every sunday because that's friday every sunday i read my journal entries all throughout the week and then i do a reflection journal after just whatever i'm thinking and feeling at that moment and i found that that's that that just helps me get real clear and real aligned with with me, myself, what I want, where I'm going. But yeah, man, I want to, I want to dive a lot more deeper into like my past. Cause I've never been a past kind of guy until recently. And I yeah, no, like it's the, 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 the future is like changing it or the present is like detaching from it, but then using certain triggers, certain stories, certain that it I'm acting out in a way that is powerful. Like this character is acting out more than it should. That are like triggers to, Use as a rope to dive in yourself. Like, okay, what kind of chapter is this from? What kind of story is this from? What kind of role is this from? Like, why does it have so much power over me? And when you're done with curiosity, not with tough love, with curiosity, you know, look at it. You can have a different relationship with it. Doesn't mean changing it, but just being aware can already change, you know, like the intensity of the emotion or, you know, the speed of the story you start writing, you know? Because what I notice with everything that's a trigger or has a heavy emotional load, you have a conversation with yourself or other people based on a conclusion, not a question. And then you gather evidence to support that conclusion that you're drawn, right? So then when you again start more with a question and then have an open chapter, you can have more in a negotiated way. And then often what you think would happen isn't so black and white. But when you're a survivor or a hustler, you know, you want to control things. Oftentimes you set black and white expectations because then you have control of the outcome, even if it's like negative. So there's definitely a power in going for what you want, but being so attached, so rigid to what you want and that control freak in me, I still have that, right? But at a certain point, it makes me so rigid and structured that I lose the zest of life and I lose the flow in it and it works against me instead of for me. Mm. Yeah, dude. 100%, man. Uh, this is funny. Uh, so like, uh, I like to, I like to, dude, I, I started smoking weed and shit again. <laughs> and, uh, bro, I get connected, connected. Right. But, uh, <laughs> it's funny, dude. Cause like, I'll just, I won't like, I'm a lightweight, right. I take one little hit dude and I'm fucking zapped for like 
four or five hours. And I do it like a couple times a week, especially mm-hmm. when I go out in the woods. Mm-hmm. But that's allowed me to just be, it, it's, it didn't allow me, but it's, it's helped me just go more with the flow of mm-hmm. shit like you're talking about and get more present. Cause like that was a bad thing for, that's why I don't feel like I was feeling fulfillment for the last couple of years, even though I was fucking winning like crazy in business, not other areas. It was because I wasn't like present. I was always thinking about, all right, what's next? What's next? We can build this. Okay. We got here, but what's next? You know? And it's like, there ain't no fulfillment in that type of shit. And now like I'm taking time where I, where I actually just like, man, life's fucking amazing. Like, dude, you got all this shit. Like you, you, life's amazing. You got time with your kids. Like, you know, that, 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 that the shit you always wanted, like I literally, I got everything I always wanted when I started, you know what I'm saying? Now it's just like, I'm still, so it's like a balance of being grateful and yeah, life is going for what you going for what you want while appreciating what you have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because sometimes it's also, I always, I'm hard on myself and I have this uh, inner judge and inner critic that's so loud, but sometimes I'm also like, Hey, like it's what my, uh, one of my sales mentors below my left said, like life will only get as good as you can stand. You have to be able to receive the goodness, you know, like, dude, you're awesome. Look at what you did. You're doing this. Oh my God, that's amazing. You know, and you brush it off, you know, like, but dude, you're so hard on yourself and it's bad and you're, you're not even that positive about yourself and it's good. So it's a bit of a balancing act, you know? Yeah, dude, it's, it's, I'm going to quit saying it because it, because I've been saying it a lot lately and it's not it, like, I keep on saying like, dude, I'm getting a little bit more woo woo than what I used to be, but it's not, I don't believe in that shit. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm more spiritual when I used to be but like, dude, I've been saying this a lot lately and I feel like it's been helping. I really do. But I keep on saying life is amazing and every day it keeps on getting better. And it's true. It really like, at least for me, it like, I, cause I, I've been saying that I believe that and, and, it like, dude, it's crazy because this year, and I know, I know there's going to be trying times in life. And yeah, I still face resistance anytime we set a new goal in our organization or whatever. Like, for an example, I just started getting really disciplined about my finances because, like, that was my major weakness. Mm-hmm. And so now we're, we're, I, I read the Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey, and, I, and I'm like re- educating myself on all these finances and implementing these new systems. And sure, shit, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get debt free and get pay off this car loan. Yeah, yeah. And then fucking wheel falls, literally our wheel falls off on our car and then our washer breaks down. And so now we got one car and we got to drive 45 minutes where we moved out of to Stephanie, to to my father-in-law's house to wash our clothes. Like it's the resistance that comes with any type of growth whenever you make that new step, right? But life just keeps on getting better and better every single day. Like it's, it's crazy. I don't know. Do you believe in that type of shit? Like of that kind of law of attraction type stuff? Like I believe you got to do the work, but do you believe like, bro, like, I'm just doing, I'm just going to do this shit. Like starting from tomorrow, I have like uh four days also get away to college myself. And I'm just going to do visualizations and a vision board and write a love letter to money. And then, you know, like really feel it in my body and emotionalize it because I know there's resistance towards the woo woo shit, but there's some truth in it, man. Yeah. Reality can only match what you're capable of believing. And when you start changing like how you feel, your state, your emotions, and you start writing the story before it happens, it's a quote by Carl Cease that I love. Your mind can only measure what it can lose, not what it can gain. So you mm-hmm. have to feel it before it, you know, it's not see it until you believe it, it's believe it and you'll see it. So you have to give yourself a preview of what's about to happen. So your brain is like, oh, 
I know that this is going to happen. Yeah, yeah, let's make it happen. But we're so fear-based and so afraid of what we're losing that we never step outside of what's possible. And we wait for the universe to give ourselves permission to show up. But it doesn't work that way. So I'm also a down-to-earth guy, but I'm more and more open to that kind of a manifestation, that kind of match between your thoughts and emotions and reality. I agree, man. I feel like there's, there's, I still have the practicality side of me, you know, the stuff that like, man, come on, let's, let's be, you know, that, but, <laughs> but I, I do believe in that shit, man. Like I do it. Like I got my vision board too. Like I, like I literally just updated my vision board because it, because it got, we, we knocked out a lot of stuff on it, but I literally just updated one of my main things right now. And, and what's crazy is I think that's the reason all right, so we, we're talking about this this past stuff. My mom, she was always, she spoiled the shit out of me affectionately, not materialistically, mm-hmm. but affectionately. Like she always told me she believed in me. She always complimented me and cheered me on anytime I had any little tiny little success and was always there through me through all the shit I put her through. And I feel like that's where I get a lot of my confidence from. Like I'm not an arrogant dude at all. But dude, I'm fucking confident as fuck. Like I believe in myself 100%, you know? And I think that's where it comes from. And I feel like having that, like I have my vision board and like I don't have any doubts about any of it. Like I was like, dude, I, I accept it. It's happening and it's already happening. And we just keep on moving close. Like it's it's already all the shit, dude. It's crazy too how, how like I could go deep on the shit, how shit on my vision board, even the big legacy, long, long-term goals are already happening right fucking now and they it came out of nowhere like a dude reached out to me on a lot of a lot of it, it's fucking wild but 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 having that but i feel like everybody possesses that but a lot of people don't take the time to get clear on that you know what i'm saying they don't map out the vision and their identity and all these things that they they can do and it's a super simple process not easy but simple but if you just do it, then the shit happens, you know? I think maybe that is a discussion about start with your why, start with your identity, start with emotions. What do leaders do? They paint a powerful vision before it is manifested and that pulls them. So for you, it is your identity or your team or what you want to do for your children, something that pulls you, something that you see before it happens. And that is what every powerful leader does. They believe and stand for a vision without yet the support of the majority or their ideal client. And they just fully believe with it and they go for it, you know, and different people, different kinds of styles. But I think that's very powerful, you know, to make your life, your vision, your business sustainable. Amen, man. 100%. You had how many guests already on your podcast? I don't know. We're at 200. We're at episode 265, I think, but not all of them were guests. You know, we've had, we sprinkled in, you know, a lot of, a lot of solos. So I know over 200 for sure, because most of them have been interviews, but uh, yeah, I don't know the exact number. What creates a good conversation with someone? Like you're doing. And all right. So dude, you know me, dude, I would not give you a compliment if I didn't mean it. I don't believe in flattery. I'm not trying to give you a hand jigger underneath the table and none of that shit, right? <laughs> um, Maybe a happy ending on the podcast, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. But you're you're really good because you could tell you're, you're not like... Like, you ever been on... You ever been interviewed by somebody and they're like, what's your favorite color? And like, red. And like, what school do you go to? And it's like... It's like they had like a set prepare lists of questions and then just go through it. And like, no, you're having a conversation right now. 
and then you're interjecting with your own philosophies and views and perspectives and you ask past the surface level questions you go deeper than that and you can tell you're genuinely curious which in my opinion i feel like makes a great interviewer is being genuinely curious because when you're genuinely curious and you you start to ask really good questions and you're you're wanting to know and that's fucking makes good conversation and people appreciate that yeah it's what stephen covey said like uh to have people you know be interested in people and they will become interested in you or it's something like that like a quote you know like curiosity is i'm just insanely curious about people and how they think and what makes the world work you know so that's why i wanted to do the podcast based on you know going with the flow conversations seeing you speak freely because i also find that the conversations that are very generic and very scripted takes away a bit of the flow and the energy of the guest you know what is something you learned about successful people or what defines success from a lot of people that you interviewed and there were a lot of successful people high level people yeah there's a lot of different takeaways and i'm trying to lump them all in like together like the commonalities but i know for sure that they all got really clear on their vision you know their identity of who they were and understood their weaknesses and then they started surrounding themselves with people that complemented those weaknesses obviously and they all had a team they had a rock star team mm. and so they, you can only get so far by yourself and then you you have to bring on a team because you can't you can't do everything yourself you know there's just it's it's literally you don't have enough time in a day to do all the shit that needs to get done if you're building something crazy big like that i feel like so they all had a rock star team and 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 that came down they were real clear on themselves who they are their weaknesses what they stand for what they don't stand for and then where they were going in life and then they were able to paint that picture so crystal clear that it attracted other people that were a perfect core value fit that were all bought in into that mission and i'm thinking you know as i'm talking i'm thinking about walking into you know first form of fanny Frasilla, our value tainment at patrick bet david's like seeing how their culture was like it wasn't one of those bullshit you just slap some core values on the wall and whatever. Now you go in there and you feel that energy and people are fucking bought into that. And there's a, there's just a, a great energy that goes into that. And I'm like, wow, you know, and I feel like that kind of widened my horizons of what's possible and what's to come, you know, and it's just seeing that, Hey, you know, these guys have been doing it for, <laughs> Andy Fursil has been doing it for 22 years with first form and stuff like that. You know, there's a, it's a process to this and this shit, it's already great now. And it's just going to keep on getting better and better. You just stay, stay focused. And that's another thing too. It's real dangerous. People can get like, cause I'm going through this evolution right now. And like, I'm like, okay, we're, we're focusing on all areas of life. Now it's not just business and stuff. And I've been really cautious, like to, like, I've been not cautious, but very aware, trying to be self-aware of like, am I getting lazy? Am I resting on my laurels? Mm -hmm. And no, the answer is a resounding no. Like I got, like, if anything, I've gotten more ambitious through this period. It's just, I'm just taking care of myself now. And I know in order to be able to make this impact that I really want to make, I'm going to need to take care of myself in the process. Yeah. And for any entrepreneur who's building their business, scaling, growing their business in the beginning, okay, you want to have the expertise, but I'm also building my team right now. I got a great podcast editor for this podcast. And it's also a matter of letting go of control and perfectionism because you can do it all. You only have limited, you know, focus time, energy and money. 
So once you start, you know, building your team and really asking yourself, like, what is my gift? What are my talents? What are my strengths? And your weaknesses, you can still work on them. It will take a lot more effort to, you know, hide your weaknesses or work on your weaknesses than double down on your strengths and develop a great team that supports you, you know, like that. That is also something that a lot of entrepreneurs have difficulty with delegating, relinquishing control. Yeah, <laughs> they do. Including myself in the beginning, dude. It was, it was like I, I, I was able to shed it pretty quickly. Thank God. Like I started building a team quickly back in 2019. But before that, dude, I was scared to outsource because I was like, can't nobody do it as good as I can. And, and this is bullshit, dude. And a good mentor of mine, a coach, coach of mine, um, Thomas Keenan, he uh, breaks it down. He gave me this this framework to to figure this stuff out. And it's real real simple, but it's like it, it's it's eliminate, automate, delegate. Mm. And it's a quick, simple product. Can this be eliminated? Because a lot of time we're doing shit we don't need to. Bam, get rid of it. Can it be automated? If it can, automate it. If not, can it be delegated? If it can, cool. If not, then it's then it's on you. And if you go through that process, you'll see. I don't know, for me at least, I seen there was a lot of shit that I was doing that really could have been eliminated or at least automated or something. Yeah, I like the quote of the author of The Little Prince, like perfection is not attained when there is uh, nothing more to add. Perfection is attained when there's nothing more to take away. So minimalism and focusing on what works and then optimizing it has definitely a lot of advantages in business. What I'm also curious about is your experience. I don't know how much the lockdown is where you live. But how do you compare being in prison and your freedom being taken away? And lockdown is also like a prison term. How do you compare it with what a lot of the world is witnessing right now with the lockdown and the taking away of freedoms? Like, are you acquainted to it? It's like, it's less harsh because I've been through it. How do you compare both your experiences where a part of your freedom is taken away? I'm a rebel, bro. And like, I, the, the, the one, <laughs> one thing about me, I don't like being told what to do at all. I don't even get, and it's, it's probably so much so that sometimes it causes problems in my life because I, and because I choose to be that way. But then there's also times where it's, where it's a good thing too. So when we got that first lockdown last year in, in 2020, I was just livid because I don't like, I was like, I, the whole thing's a scam anyways. I won't go down that rabbit hole, mm-hmm. but it's, mm-hmm. it's just it's a mind control thing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's enforcing this socialism turn mm-hmm. kind of, fucking crazy shit but uh yeah yeah i was livid blood boil anytime i think about it but at the same time i was laughing at the i was like dude this isn't shit like like uh, this ain't lockdown like i'm <laughs> i've seen lockdown you know <laughs> like this is free still compared to to what i'm used to as far as lockdown so it didn't affect me like i've seen a lot of people being affected by it like they're like oh my mental health is going i'm like bro like you would not make it in prison if you can't make it through this but it was still bullshit though. You know what I'm saying? The whole thing was bullshit. And what I was mad is like, this is a, literally a play on our own freedom of thought. You know what I'm saying? How bad was the freedom taken away in prison? You get used to it. Is that the most difficult thing in prison? Just not being able to walk wherever you want? Or what's the harshest thing of being locked up in prison? I don't know, bro. This is going to sound weird, but I found happiness in one of the... like. To be honest with you, this is probably one of the most peaceful I've ever been in my entire life. And I was in the most locked down, restricted freedom I've ever been in my life. It's crazy, but it's such a contradiction, right? But I was in the hole, which is the prison side of prison. You heard, I've told you that story before. 
But in there, like I felt a peace of mind, like right after my sister died and I'm trapped in this eight by 10 sale because I learned a valuable lesson that like, dude, at the end of the day, like you could take all these different freedoms. Victor Frankl put it, put it beautifully. And, and this dude's experience was, whew, dude, crazy. talk about, it makes me feel like my uh, five years in prison was like daycare compared to what this dude went through. <laughs> yeah. He talks about like, man, one freedom that can't be taken from any of us is our freedom to choose how we respond to anything. And before I even read this book, I learned that lesson in that, in that cell, like, Hey, all, my sister just died from a heroin overdose and my mom found her dead on the floor and I'm not going to be able to go to her funeral. And my mom's like in a really bad spot right now. And, uh, and I'm trapped in this eight by 10 cell because I put myself in here, but I'm not getting out of here for two months. Like it was the prison inside of the prison, but I was like, and I, and I was like moping for like three days straight, but then I chose to respond. I was like, you know what? I could just make the most of what I got. I can choose to get up and fucking take care of myself and take care of my body and fucking do things to, to, to get through this. And, and by doing that, that man, that that's helped me deal with adversity. It's like, that's paid dividends a hundredfold. Like, dude, I don't know. It's, How long uh, have you been with Steph, your, your wife? Oh man, dude, we just had our five-year wedding anniversary, but we've been together since June of 2012 was nine years coming up on 10 years next year, which is almost nine years, but that's crazy. Why did she stick with you when you went to all the shenanigans in prison, you think? And what does she bring out in you or what does she balance in you that's good for you and you know you need it? Yeah. So this is like, I'm a realist too. You know, you get so many people like, oh, I wouldn't have made it if I wouldn't have had my spouse or whatever and whatnot. And that's true in a lot of cases. But man, for so long, our relationship has been shitty and we've been mm-hmm. at throats for a really, really fucking long time. And we're like, we're actually our, our over the past eight months has been improving a lot. Um, we've been going to marriage constantly. We've been uh, talking to each other more and like opening up, but like, dude, we, we haven't been good for a really long time, mm-hmm. but she, so when I got locked up, she ended up getting with this guy because I was, I was cheating on her before I got locked up. I was in my alcoholic stage and just, yeah, I was doing dirtbag shit. And um, anyways, I was cheating on her with this girl. Well, when I got locked up, she got with the dude that had a baby with the girl that I was cheating on her with. And so that was like both of their ways to get back at both of us or whatnot. And uh, yeah. And so I was like, fuck it. We just ain't going to be together. But bro, during that time, though, I guess it wasn't enough for this scumbag. He hit my kid that was four months old at the time and caused him uh, fractured his skull and caused him brain hemorrhaging. Thank God that my kid's perfectly fine, nothing, nothing wrong with him. And, and thank God that I was locked up at the time because I was literally plotting this dude's death. I was going to brutally torture him. I was going to, I was going to gouge one of his eyeballs out with my thumb and then make him watch me eat his eyeball with his other eyeball. Like that's how I was going to do some really fucking hateful shit mm-hmm. to that dude. But she was always, you know, there while I was locked up, like to answer the phone and talk to me, tell me how the kids were and send in pictures and shit like that. And we decided to get back together after I got out. But yeah, man, there's a lot, there's a lot of, you know, hateful shit that both of us have done to each other that we're, we're, uh, we're, we've been getting a lot better and, and things are getting better and better every single day. 
but yeah, I don't, I'm not going to sit and fake, fake and be like, oh, no, yes. I'm happy that you're like realistic about it because I, it seems like people are not willing to talk about it or they quit up too fast, you know, uh, quit too fast. And it's a commitment. It's like work, you know? So thanks for just being real about it because I think this is the maturity of stories. Most people are not open about it. Is there anything that you learned from relationships advice that you got from your counselor or communication that you realized, man, this is super important if you want the relationship to work and you have kids like work on this, make time for this, discuss this. We still got a ways to go. Me being less aggressive, and that's just how I choose to be, but I, I need to be more affirming towards her and, and more compassionate, more soft to her. And she responds better that way whenever I am like that. And showing her more affection, more attention, you know, and I feel like a lot of married couples after you get married, like sometimes it loses its luster or whatnot. Mm -hmm. One thing that's been really helpful is uh, every week we go on date night, no matter what. And we've been sticking to that and spending that quality time together. And that's helped out a lot too. And then also our communication, like it's not perfect yet. We still bicker at each other and nag at each other, but it's gotten a lot better. And, uh, us focusing on being kind and respectful those two things kind and respectful has helped out a lot um and it's getting a lot better so it's uh it's work in progress yeah man keep on honing those communication skills it'll also help you maybe with your guests and with your team for people who want to check out more about what you do your podcast all the work you're involved where can they check out more about you and the great work you're doing yeah, man. Absolutely. Underdogempowerment.com. Uh, definitely check out the podcast, Underdog Empowerment. It's what I'm super passionate about you as well. Uh, I just feel like you get to have those real conversations. People really get to know you as a person when you're talking to them all the time. But yeah, that's something I'm super passionate about. You can check it out there. And all my social medias are on Underdog Empowerment as well. So that's all on underdogempowerment.com. Hope to see you all over there. Uh, appreciate you asking. What is the last message you would leave humanity with? that you want to say like, hey, focus on this or an empowering message to help them become a top dog instead of an underdog? Yeah, you can literally have whatever you want in life if you drop the bullshit excuses and any victim mentality, period. Get rid of that ex, like murder that motherfucking personality ASAP and then get really clear on exactly what you do want in every single aspect of your life every role that you play, have a clear vision of what you want in each role and then identify that and then identify as that and then figure out what that person does every day to become that person. If you focus on that and fall in love with the process, you'll have fulfillment and you'll get every fucking thing you ever dreamed of. And who is one person dead or alive that you would love to get on your podcast and have a conversation with? And what would be a quirky topic or question you would love to ask that person? Elon Musk, probably. I would, uh, what I would ask him, I mean, there's a million questions that I'd love to ask that guy. I'd ask him like, uh, how does he build his critical thinking skills? Like what does he do to exercise his mind and to think deeply and to solve problems? All right, man. I hope you can build up to that level. Maybe you can do your podcast when you're sitting like on Mars. I hope you also <laughs> take over the planet and maybe the universe. It was an honor to have you on the podcast, Zach. Dude, Philip, thank you so much for having me, man. It's been a blast. If you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave a comment. And if you're a coach or consultant and you want to scale your online business or maximize your productivity, check out the show notes to find out more about Philip and his coaching programs. Rent over.